Welcome to this week's episode of FTR's weekly rail market update podcast hosted by Todd Tranowski. Join Todd each week as he dissects everything from market trends to economic indicators to explore how these factors are shaping the rail market landscape. Download the graphics package at ftrintel.com slash podcasts and feel free to use those slides as you defend your transportation thought leadership within your own company. So, buckle up as we embark on a journey through the dynamic and ever-changing world of rail. And now, here's your host, Todd Chernowski. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. As always, I am your host, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tranowski. It'll be my pleasure over the next 20 minutes or so to give you an update, a roundup, if you will, of all that's going on in the rail volume uh, world over the last couple of weeks. And But before we do, I want to take a couple of minutes to do a couple of quick programming notes. Thank you all for joining us again this week. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the break last week, enjoyed the time away from the podcast, away from the office, and had a great Thanksgiving. I want to call your attention to next week's edition of the podcast. It'll be a little bit longer show. I want everybody to get it on their calendar, on their radar. We're going to have a very special guest with us next week. We are going to have the President and Chief Executive Officer of the, Ameri- of the Association of American Railroads, Ian Jeffries, joining us on the program to sort of give his annual year-end recap uh, for how it went for the railroads. Certainly, uh, we do this every year. Long-time listeners of the program know that generally either right at the end of the year or early in the start of the next year, Ian comes on the program and addresses those hot topics uh, that are out in the marketplace, uh, either from a volume perspective, from a regulatory perspective, from an overall rail environment perspective. So you will not want to miss next week's podcast when we have the Association of American Railroads President and Chief Executive Officer Ian Jeffries joining us on the program It's always a a great experience, always a great time. We thank Ian for taking time to join us to talk about these issues with our uh, our listeners, for our listeners, and it's always a a great listen, so put that on your calendars for next week. As we jump into this week, the numbers don't tell us a whole lot this week because they are for the week ended November 25th. Well, that is the week that includes the Thanksgiving holiday, so there isn't a whole lot unexpected there. We'll talk about some of the highlights here in a couple of minutes, but before we do, I want to jump into another issue that sort of came out of nowhere for the rail industry. We had the, we had the break week last week, we didn't really get a chance to address it, and that is the announcement out of the Surface Transportation Board that Chairman Martin Oberman uh, will not seek renomination for a second term, and that he will leave the board shortly after his term ends at the end of the year. This is something that I don't think was widely expected across the rail industry. Certainly, uh, he had not publicly said whether he wanted to be renominated or not. That's not uncommon for STB uh, members to not announce their intentions. Certainly, we also have Patrick Fuchs, who's up uh, in early January, who has also not stated whether he wants to be renominated or not. So that wasn't really a concern leading up to the announcement that that, that, that Chairman Oberman wouldn't seek to be renominated, but here we are in a situation where the agency is sort of okay. We have these big, 
uh, dockets in front of us, now what? Now what happens? Particularly with the additional member potentially rolling off in January, you have to really look at what that might mean for the agency and what that might mean for its direction. Now, the agency, the STP is a little bit unique in the sense that the chairman really does set the agenda and set the focus of the agency. And many of you who have watched the STB for many years know that uh, Chairman Oberman in particular has wanted to uh, move reciprocal switching forward, has wanted to uh, be more responsive to the shipper in a way that has been fairly unique, fairly novel in the history of the agency. And so it'll be very interesting as he comes off the agency shortly into his holdover year, what that means for what the agency takes up next and where its direction is, where its focus is. There are, there's a lot of chatter uh, in the D.C. circles about Robert Primus potentially uh, being elevated to chairman. Time will tell what happens with that, uh, whether uh, that comes to fruition or not, or whether President Biden wishes to nominate a new member to the STB that he intends to make the chairman. Uh, we don't quite know all of that yet. There are scant few days left in the legislative session uh, in D.C., and so it is unlikely that someone would get nominated and confirmed uh, for the STB before the end of the year. Uh, and so we will have to see exactly how all of that, all of that plays out. But certainly, uh, Robert Primus, if you, list, if you read his dissents, if you read some of his opinions, uh, certainly it is clear that he wants to be even more aggressive in some areas than Chairman Oberman was, and that will create a, a certainly a unique dynamic uh, at the agency, uh, between the agency, some of its stakeholders, particularly with the railroads. Uh, many of you are aware the railroads were very aggressive in, in, in fighting back against some of the things Chairman Oberman did uh, with the board as, as part of his tenure, including final offer arbitration that's currently being litigated uh, at the Court of Appeals. And that's certainly uh, something that could, uh, again, uh, be, be re rehashed, be reused, and also cast into some doubt uh, what will happen with the reciprocal switching case. Uh, EP 711 has been around a long time. It's long in the tooth. Uh, the, the reply comment date was just recently pushed out, basically to the end of the year, December 20th or so. And that makes it very hard for the board to get a final rule out before the end of the year. With a chairman change, it is possible that that changes, that that dynamic of what the reciprocal switching rule as proposed uh, looks like on the other end. It could very well go further than what's been uh, proposed so far, uh, given that the board members in some public statements over the course of the fall have seemingly indicated that if the record... Uh, supports going further that they would uh, they would uh, look at doing that. And so uh, that's something to watch for as with the uncertainty around who the chairman will be and what the chairman's priorities may be as we go into the new year. So watch this space in the STB. It certainly uh, provides a, a unique backdrop for our conversation next week with Ian around the regulatory landscape and what it all means for the railroads and what the railroads are thinking from a regulatory perspective as the calendar changes from 2023 uh, to 2024. So now let's jump in and let's talk briefly about the numbers. 
on the intermodal side of the house, we saw essentially a normal seasonal behavior. Maybe a little bit more than seasonal if you look against the five-year average, uh, but certainly better than last year. Certainly not as dramatic, not as draconian as what we saw uh, last year on an absolute level, up about 5% week over week on a year-over-year basis, uh, but still a very weak result, right around 300,000 or so uh, intermodal moves last week in the holiday week, uh, but not anything sort of out of the norm, out of the realm of what we would consider seasonally normal for the holiday week. On the trailer side of the house, definitely a decline, but not as much as I think uh, myself and, uh, and some folks in the industry were fearing uh, would happen in the holiday week. We got essentially, again, a seasonally normal decline for the holiday week. We didn't break 10,000 trailers a week, uh, and now we're heading into the parcel peak over the next three weeks or so, uh, where we should see trailer volumes uh, bounce up sharply as UPS and FedEx deliver all of those packages, all of those goods that you and I and everyone else ordered on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, that should flow through the transportation system over the next several weeks. If I was a betting man, I would say we see a peak right around 15,000 or so trailers a week, which is significantly off of last year, significantly off of the five-year average, uh, but would be a meaningful increase from where we are. And so that will, we'll see where that goes over the next several weeks, but that would be, that would be my educated bet. On the container side of the house, we saw essentially the same thing we saw for overall intermodal, and that is uh, essentially a seasonal decline. Better than last year, below the five-year average. We'll see how it balances over the next, the next several weeks. On the carload side, however, uh, it was a little bit different story. It was a little bit more dramatic. It was a little bit more of a, a holiday stop than maybe uh, we've seen historically and maybe we were expecting. If you look at overall carload volumes, they were down, honestly, close to 305,000 uh, per week in the holiday week. That is uh, extraordinarily weak. That is extraordinarily low. Think about it on a five-year average basis. It's usually around 325, 320,000 carloads a week. So that's 15 to 20,000 carloads below where history would say normal is for the carload market. Even 2022, which was not a banner year for the carload market, uh, held at 310,000 carloads in the holiday week. Uh, we were well below that in the, in the week just ended. And so definitely a stronger than uh, expected holiday decline. Hopefully that reverses itself fairly quickly in the current week and we see a bounce back closer to that 350,000 carload a week level. Time will tell. Certainly something we're watching given the magnitude of the holiday decline economically sensitive freight essentially did the same thing as overall carload. You can see just a dramatic uh, fall off a cliff here uh, over the last, uh, the last couple of weeks. The holiday really sort of taking it to economically sensitive freight, moving it down well off the five-year average and economically sensitive freight, moving it well below uh, last year's result as well. We will see uh, just how that rebounds and just how that response coming out of the holiday. Now, for those of you who may be new to the program, this when we talk about economically sensitive freight, really what we're talking about is excluding coal, excluding agriculture, and excluding petroleum. Looking at just those sectors that are more closely tied to that underlying economy. 
things like metals, things like automotive, things like pulp and paper, lumber, those sorts of commodity groups. And so that's what's reflected here. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as core carload freight at some companies. That's really what's in this chart, in this slide. But you can't have a conversation about carload and not talk about some of those bulk businesses. So let's do that now. Uh, the coal market, a significant sequential decline uh, relative to the holiday, uh, down below 70,000 carloads a week, just below 70,000 carloads a week, uh, well off the five-year average, well off the week prior, just a little bit off where we were last year. And again, like so many other carload commodities and intermodal commodities, the question will be, how does it bounce out of the holiday? And so we will keep an eye on that as we go through the next several weeks. Grain volumes, a definitely more substantial drop than we would typically see in the Thanksgiving holiday week. Normally, grain is in the middle of its harvest cycle. At this point, that's coming to an end over the next several weeks. So you normally see a little bit of a drop, but you do not see the dramatic drop uh, that we saw in 2023. Uh, we're well off the five-year average at this point. Uh, we're well off last year's levels, more than 10% off last year's levels. Again, the question is, how does this respond? Uh, do we stay here? Do we track the five-year average? Do we go back to where we had been running uh, last year? Uh, we will have to see as we go forward in time. Certainly a, a significant dent on a sequential basis and more than would have been expected by normal seasonality. Petroleum products, essentially the same result. Uh, the strong sequential step down in the holiday week and much more so than you would typically expect if you look just at the five-year average or just at last year. Uh, yes, we're still above last year on an absolute level, uh, but we'll have to see where, where the volumes go from here in terms of moving up or moving down uh, in this commodity group. Certainly, it took a substantial hit in the holiday week. Another commodity group that took a substantial hit in the holiday week was the chemicals market. You can see here we gave back all of uh, what we had in the run-up over the last two weeks uh, before the holiday and then some. In the holiday week, we're down below the five-year average. We're still above last year, uh, but last year in the chemical space, the fourth quarter, as you've heard me say many, many times in this venue and others, uh, was not a banner quarter for the chemical sector. was not one that you would fly the flag and say, uh, that is what we want to uh, our year-over-year -year comparisons to look like. And so, again, the question will be, how does chemicals respond? Where does the volume go? From here, certainly we would hope it would bounce back at least to the 45,000 carload a week level in the latest week. Stone, sand, and gravel, another one. Basically, uh, same song, different verse. Uh, a much more uh, strong downward movement than we would typically expect to see. And we're down below last year. We're below the five-year average. And the question will be, how does it respond? What does it look like? Through the rest of December, do we get a bounce or do we not? A lumber and wood, basically following last year's trajectory, uh, we got a stronger uh, than expected downward move in the Thanksgiving week of 2022. We did the same thing in 2023. Uh, we're basically right at last year's levels, well below the five-year average. And again, we'll see if we get the, the brief pop back uh, in 2023 that we got in 2022 in lumber and wood. Pulp and paper, if there's a bright spot here, if there's a bright spot in the holiday numbers, this is it. Uh, you can see pulp and paper continue to move up despite the holiday week. 
and is showing really a normal seasonal behavior. We're seeing a normal seasonal peak. All those cardboard boxes that I mentioned in intermodal, in the parcel peaks that are delivering all those goods you and I ordered over uh, the, the last weekend, well, they have to be packaged somehow. They have to come in a cardboard box. They have to come in some sort of uh, vessel that is most likely cardboard related. Well, that leads to box board demand. That leads to pulp demand. That creates this seasonal peak. And that's uh, what we're seeing. We're seeing sort of seasonally normal behavior. Now, we started from a very low place. We started from a very, a very weak number in pulp and paper. So the fact that we've gotten back almost on par with the 2022 result after such a hole we started in uh, says just how strong pulp and paper has been uh, over the last few weeks. Now, will it continue? Normally, we have one more week of good times before we peak, and then we start coming down again. So that'll be the question for pulp and paper is how much further does this story have to run and where does it come back to? Does it come back to 2022 levels? Does it come back to a weaker level than that? Does it hold in close to its five-year average? Uh, time will tell, but certainly pulp and paper showing normal seasonal behavior. That gives us some confidence when it comes to consumer spending, when it comes to holiday shopping needs and things of that nature. Automotive, definitely a decline in the holiday week. Uh, not unexpected. A little bit stronger than maybe you would think if you looked at the five-year average, but not, not too over the top compared to 2022. Again, like all these commodity groups, how do they recover? What does the current week look like? How do we move into December? We would expect automotive to be back above 25,000 carloads per week in short order until we get to the holiday shutdowns about a month from now. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, intermodal volumes showed essentially a seasonal decline in the holiday week. Carload, it was a little bit worse than that, uh, but we'll watch and see how that evolves, how that develops, how that bounces back over the next several weeks. Uh, certainly a little bit of regulatory uh, flux going on in D.C. with the surprise announcement. I'll call it a surprise announcement of uh, STB Chairman Martin Oberman's departure at the end of the year, at the end of his term, not seeking a renomination. That certainly uh, caught a lot of people off guard in terms of uh, that timing, in terms of that announcement. And we will see uh, what happens there, whether, uh, whether Robert Primus, Karen Hedlund uh, ascend to the chairmancy, or whether uh, we have President Biden nominate someone uh, who will take over that chairman's role. Uh, we will see exactly how that comes together over the weeks and maybe possibly months ahead uh, in Washington, D.C. And a reminder, uh, set yourself a calendar reminder now to listen to next week's show. Uh, we will have uh, Association of American Railroads President and CEO Ian Jeffries on the program. Uh, and so it'll be a great discussion, a great uh, time to hear about how the railroads are thinking about 2023 and looking ahead and planning for 2024. We hope you join us uh, for that episode. It will be one not to miss. As always, I am your host, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR, Todd Tronowski of the Rail Market Update Podcast. Uh, and with that, have a great week. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's Rail Market Update podcast with Todd Tranowski. Be sure to check out FTR's additional complimentary market coverage at ftrintel.com slash state dash of dash freight 
today.